We're now a quarter of the way through the 2022 NFL season. How have the Seahawks performed up to this point? We're going to be taking a look at our first quarter report card individually and collectively as a team in position groups on this bonus Saturday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, joining me for a bonus Saturday episode, my co-host Dallas Cooper. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. On this bonus episode, we're now a quarter of the way through the season. I know technically it's not 25% because we now have 17 games. I'm not a math major for a reason, but... This is still the unofficial first quarter mark of the 2022 season, and that means it's report card time. We are going to be dishing out grades for Seahawks players individually and by position group on offense and defense. We'll do this at other points later in the season as well. We'll have a midway point report card and an end of the season report card, but this will be our first one. The first checkup on how the Seahawks are doing two and two as a team tied for first place also tied for last place in the NFC West with a 500 record. Let's get to it, Dallas. We're going to start off this bonus episode looking at our top five grades for the Seahawks this year. And you and I had some very similar selections on our list. There are a few differences as well. So I'm going to kick it over to you first. Let's talk about who had the highest grade, your top five grades for the Seahawks so far in these first four games of the season. My top five has to go immediately. Number one, Geno Smith. Geno Smith has played absolutely great through the first quarter of the season. His pocket presence has been absolutely elite. His accuracy under 25 yards has also been elite. And he has the highest completion percentage through four games in NFL history. That cannot be stated enough. That's amazing. Their Seahawks are also 39th in passing attempts on first down which shows that Shane Waldron absolutely trusts Geno to get the job done. And it's not like he's only doing this with dinks and dunk passes. He's 16th in average depth target. He's tied with Joe Burrow and Tom Brady. Geno has been playing absolutely great. I also have Uchenna Nuosu. He's been absolutely great on the edge. has been a great signing by John Schneider. He's been doing well with the run fits. PFF has graded him as a 79.6 player grade on the season. And he's done really well when dropping into the flax when asked to cover. And he has two sacks and a forced fumble on the season. He's absolutely made his presence felt. And also, it wouldn't go without saying with the Seahawks young superstar, DK Metcalf. The receiver, although kind of quiet the first couple of games, absolutely stole the show with the Lions game. And Through the first quarter of the season, he has 23 receptions with 284 yards, only one touchdown, but he has done absolutely well with connecting with Geno and building their chemistry to actually unlock different sides of DK's game that we haven't really seen. A lot more intermediate and shallower routes. And then we got the veteran Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett has been here with Seattle for so long, and he's been doing an absolutely great job. 
the connection with Gino has already been there through the first quarter of the season. And although he's not the yak threat, he maybe once was by because because he gives himself up a lot of the times now. Yeah, he is an elite route runner, and he's been doing an absolutely great job in the intermediate and short zones. And then lastly, but certainly not least, I got Shelby Harris, part of the trade package, the trade package that brought over Noah Fant, couple picks, and they when the Seahawks got rid of their previous quarterback, Russell Wilson, and Shelby has done an absolutely great job. This was a great find by John Snyder. 79 PFF grade in week four. He's been doing an absolutely great job with her pass rushing, run stopping. The team has struggled, but I don't think that's any part due to Shelby. That's really interesting to get Shelby Harrison there because he missed roughly two games, but in the games that he has played, he was a game wrecker against the Denver Broncos, had several interior pressures. They had four pressures last week against the Detroit Lions. I thought he was one of the few defensive players that really stood out in a positive way for the Seahawks last week. So he's got a solid grade for me, not in my top five, but I would be in agreement with you when I look at the first three names here and in the same order as well. Geno Smith, as you mentioned, just simply has exceeded all expectations. And this is probably why I have a 91 overall grade for him, the best grade so far through these first four games. According to NFL Next Gen Stats, he leads the NFL with a 10% completion above expectation rate. So that tells you all you need to know. He has been making some really difficult throws, and he's been completing them. And so this has not just been a dink and dunk offense. Has that been something that they've done more than they did with Russell Wilson? Absolutely. But he has made some difficult throws downfield. Last week had a couple throws. He got blasted on and threw strikes to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You add in that 77.3 completion rate. He's got the third best quarterback rating in the NFL right now. If you're looking at traditional or advanced stats, Geno Smith is stacked up with every quarterback in the league this year. All the elite guys, his numbers really stack up. Only six touchdowns, but otherwise, across the board, he's been putting up numbers similar to Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, some of those other elite quarterbacks. You know, Patrick Mahomes is only a tick ahead of him in passer rating, so Geno has been impressive these first couple games. And then I've got Uchenna Nuosu second on my list as well. What a free agent signing for John Schneider. Maybe the best he's had since Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill way back in 2013 for that Super Bowl championship team. Edge rushers coming in and making an impact. 15 pressures already this year. He's got two sacks. He forced a key fumble in that win over the Broncos in week one. For the most part, he's done a really good job setting the edge. He's been a nuisance rushing off the edge with power and finesse. So I've really been impressed by everything that Uchenna Nwosu's brought this team. And he's looking like a bargain now on a two-year contract. So you're not going to have to worry about him leaving next year. He's going to be under contract next season. Maybe you try to extend him now, get extra years in that contract with the way that he's playing, only 25 years old. And DK Metcalf coming in at number three for me as well. I know the stats are not there compared to previous seasons. Not even a 300 receiving yards yet through the first four games, but he just had 149 in this game against the Detroit Lions. It really feels like he's on the verge of really busting things open. He and Geno are connecting like they did the three starts Geno made last year, and he's just such a matchup problem with his size and his athleticism. Made some really tough catches on third downs to move the chains this year. I see a lot of improvement from him making contested catches, which actually was not a huge strength in his game, so I've been impressed, but my bottom two a little different than yours. My fourth best grade, I actually got two rookies to close out my list here. Tariq Woolen with an 83 overall. 
And there have certainly been some issues for Tariq as a rookie. And you would expect as a fifth round pick coming into the league, he's had several penalties on him. He gets a little bit grabby at times. That's going to happen, especially with young corners that are first year starters. And he's also had some issues with coverage breakdowns, but he's also made more flashy plays than any player on Seattle's defense. He's got two interceptions, including last week, a pick six, where we saw that four two six speed jumping that route by TJ Hawkinson, jumping it, picking it off, and then returning it to the house. Had an interception the week before. He blocked a field goal in week two that was returned by his other corner mate, Michael Jackson, for a long touchdown, the only touchdown they scored in that game down in Santa Clara. It just seems like every game he's coming up with big special plays that you just don't see very many players in the league make, and you know he's just going to get better. He's still very raw at the position. This is just his third year playing corner, so he gives a solid 83. I think he's tackled better than people expected as well. So really overall, he's had an impressive rookie season, and I also got to give a shout-out to Abraham Lucas at number five on my list. He has yet to give up a sack this season. Nine pressures that he has allowed in pass protection. That shouldn't be as much of a surprise coming from Washington State's wide open air raid offense. He's a proficient pass protector. It was coming into the league. But he's been much better than I think a lot of people could expect in the run game. There's still some inconsistencies there. But he plays with a mean streak. He pancakes people, uses athleticism to get to the second level, effectively takes good angles. There's a lot to like about the way that Abraham Lucas is playing. So I could have had Tyler Lockett. He's had some good games so far this year. Probably could have considered adding in another player like, say, one of the tight ends like Will Disley. There's a few other players that could have made this top five. But I have got to go with Abraham Lucas because as a rookie playing right tackle starting on day one, third round pick, he has been phenomenal and just seems to be getting better each week. So that's a really positive development for the Seahawks. I've got two rookies closing out my top five grades for the first quarter of the season. We're going to continue this special edition Saturday episode looking at offensive position groups. Dallas and I are going to hand out some grades at each position, a little bit more of a chance to look at other individual players that didn't make our top five grades and some rationale behind our overall position grades. All of that will be coming up next here on our Saturday edition of Locked On Seahawks. All right, here's a sports analogy for you. When it comes to burglars, your home is like the end zone and you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. This is why I use and trust Simply Safe Home Security. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. It's cutting edge technology powered by 24 seven professional monitoring agents who always have your back so you know your home is safe. Simply Safe keeps my home safe with the best technology available, including the ability to control my system from my phone, watch my security cameras in crystal clear HD, and use a variety of high-tech sensors for the best quality protection. And the best part, with 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash lockdown NFL and save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Again, visit simplysafe.com slash lockdown NFL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're listening to a bonus Saturday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbis Smith. Joining me for the special episode, my co-host Dallas Cooper. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're going to continue our first quarter report card. Dallas, we just looked at our top five individual player grades, and you and I agreed on the first three players. 
had discrepancies on the last two. That's what makes these type of episodes and rankings a lot of fun. Now we're going to get to the individual position groups, a chance to look at how all kinds of different players have performed for the Seahawks this season. We're going to start this segment on the offensive side of the football, and you had a chance to talk about how great Geno Smith has played. What would you grade out in the quarterback position for the Seahawks so far in these first four games? Without a doubt for me, a plus Geno Smith has played the best anyone could have asked for. If you ask any Seahawk fan, any person around the league, if Geno Smith played like this and you told them this before the season and you, they would ask what grade you would give that. I think that's no doubt about it. Everyone would give an A plus. Now that I'm seeing that I can't go against that. He's been absolutely great. Again, highest completion percentage through four games in NFL history. That is not something to scoff at. I feel that's got to be an A-plus with the quarterback. Maybe this is the teacher coming out of me. I hated giving students A-pluses because that told me they were absolutely perfect. And Geno Smith has not been perfect. He's played really well, but has had a couple interceptions. The 49ers game certainly missed some opportunities. Probably could have thrown two or three picks in that game, and the 49ers did take advantage of it. So for that reason, I'm going to be the – more conservative grader here, and I'm going to give the Seahawks an A- minus at the quarterback position. But as I mentioned last quarter, there are so many reasons to praise what Geno Smith has done. The command he has of this offense, Shane Waldron's scheme, how his teammates have bought in and they are following his lead. The accuracy is unprecedented through the first four games of an NFL season, and he's doing it, throwing, at least in the last couple of weeks, more passes downfield, being more aggressive running play action, using his legs last week, 49 rushing yards, had a touchdown on the ground. So he's done so many great things. And I think you would be making a big mistake if you gave anything less than an A minus, just considering expectations. There were a lot of people that thought Drew Locke might be starting by this point of the season and expected Geno to fail. And he's done the exact opposite. He's been way better than anybody could have anticipated. Let's go to the people he's handing off to in the backfield at running back and certainly a slow start for that group from a yardage standpoint, but they were still doing well in the yards per carry category. They were running well, just not getting enough carries. So, taking into account how the actual backs have played rather than just the lack of carries or the offensive line blocking in front of them. How would you grade out the running back group through these first four games? Right now I have them at a B simply because Penny hasn't busted off as much explosive runs as I thought he would. He has been, and he just now this past game busted off an explosive run that we all saw from last year and we've all expected and come to expect. Now, this year with Ken Walker, I expected a little more to start the season. Maybe it takes some time to get going. As you said, the efficiency has been there for them. It just had, they just haven't gotten the attempts. So maybe with maybe working with the O-line, I feel that they can maybe further better themselves. But right now, I have them as a B. I'm going to grade him a little higher. So you went a little higher with quarterback. And maybe this is just me being the running back, former running back, former running back coach. I think this group has played really well. And certainly Ken Walker III, he missed the first game of the season. He's been banged up with a few injuries, didn't play much in the preseason. So he hasn't gotten quite off to the start. I think a lot of people were hoping is that complimentary back. Rashad Penny doesn't have the total yardage that I think many of us anticipated he would have through the first four games. But it really hasn't been his fault. He still had a couple of explosive runs in his first couple of games. And then he had 
two runs of 30-plus yards for touchdowns in the second half last week. So you're starting to see him play like he did end of last season. When DJ Dallas and Travis Homer have had their opportunities to play, they've done a decent job. So I'm going to give them a B-plus at the running back position. I think that Seattle's running back group has a chance to push this grade into the A range by the midpoint if they can keep guys healthy and the line continues to improve at opening up holes for them. That's really been the key early on in this season, especially week two against San Francisco. I mean, they weren't able to get enough carries. They barely had double-digit carries in that game. They had to get away from the running game in the second half because they were trailing by so many points. And it was a game that felt like it was a 40-point game on the scoreboard, even though at one point it was only a 20-point game on the scoreboard. It just felt way worse than that with the way the offense was playing overall. And I think Rashad Penny looks just like end of last year. He's picked up where he left off. He just needed enough carries to really show that. And finally did here the last couple of weeks. Feels like they're trending in the right direction. Really like the way this group is performing. Now let's go to the outside. We know DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett maybe haven't had the numbers that they put up the last couple of seasons in the first four games, but they each have had 100-plus yard performances, and there's been a few other receivers that have chipped in occasionally. How would you grade the receiver group after these first four games? I have them as an A, Corbin. At the end of the day, the two-headed monster of Lockett and Metcalf is too much for me to, to like go against. Yes, some other receivers have chipped in, and they've only totaled eight, tar- eight receptions other than Lockett and Metcalf at the rece- receiver position. So it's not like they've been extensively going to other people, but that two-headed monster has been so elite that I still cannot see why this wouldn't be an A. Lockett and Metcalf, yes, the numbers itself has been lower, but they've just been working with Geno. 77% completion rating, as I said. The depth of target is 16th. It's about eight yards per throw on the average depth of target. A lot of intermediate routes, which is showing different skill sets that, that re- these receivers have than they've shown in the past couple of seasons. So I think that this team or this receiving core is definitely an A grade. I'm not going to be quite as nice just because of something you mentioned here. Who else do they have on the outside that's making plays for them? They have eight catches by receivers not named DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and this has been a problem for several years running. Where's D. Eskridge at? Marquise Goodwin has not really done much these first four games either. But obviously Metcalf and Lockett are continuing to perform at a high level. So I'm going to give the receivers a B-plus just on the backs of Metcalf and Lockett. I think both those players, even though the numbers don't stack up with their first four games with Russell Wilson at quarterback the last few years, they've still been very efficient. They've made the most of their opportunities. There have only been a few drops in there by Metcalf, but those were tough plays to make. Lockett continues to be as reliable as any receiver in the league. They just need somebody else to step up in this group, whether that is D. Eskridge or Marquise Goodwin or Dariq Young or they bring Bo Melton up. Somebody else in that group needs to emerge as that third option. Maybe the biggest reason why that hasn't been as big of an issue for the Seahawks, though, is because of the tight end group. And Pete Carroll has said that this is the best tight end group that they have had during his time in Seattle. How would you grade Noah Fant, Will Disley, and Colby Parkinson through these first four games? I have them as a B. The only reason I don't have them higher is just because of I don't feel that they have the one player in that position to truly separate themselves against a matchup on another team, an elite matchup on another team. If, for example, I can't I can't see if Noah Fant is really going to win one-on-one 
with a matchup against an elite safety on the other team. Therefore, I couldn't really give this team grade an A for this position group, but the balance and overall skill sets of all three of the tight ends that they have and how it meshes together with the offense and Waldron is bringing together, he's absolutely found a recipe for keeping this offense. And this tight end group has definitely done a good job in making sure they have 28 receptions for 267 yards. So they've done a good job, that tight end group. So I feel that they have a B. Yeah, I think that's really sliding how they've played, to be honest. I'm going to give the highest grade that I have for any position group to the tight ends. And they might not have that elite player at the position, but as a whole, this is one of the better tight end groups in the league. So I'm going to give a solid A to this group. When you consider that their third and fourth leading receivers in terms of receptions are Will Disley and Noah Fant, and Will Disley and Colby Parkinson are number three and four in receiving yardage. And oh, by the way, they've combined to score five of the six receiving touchdowns for the Seahawks this year. The tight end group has. Uh, this group has played really well, and they've complemented each other. All three of these players are a little different skill set. Will Disley is not a phenomenal athlete, former defensive tackle at Washington. He plays more athletic than you'd expect, though, when he's going up to catch the football, and he makes some really nifty moves in the air as he tries to go get the football. Colby Parkinson runs a 4-7 at six foot seven. He's a matchup problem. And Noah Fant's the most athletic tight end in this group. The numbers haven't been there, but he has been a surprising player in the blocking department. That's not something I expected him to be a positive contributor as a blocker. And yet he is making nice blocks in the run game pretty much each week. He has shown tangible improvements in that area of his game. I think collectively this group has been fantastic for the Seahawks and Shane Waldron is maximizing their talent. So you and I might agree there's not an elite talent here. They don't have a Travis Kelsey type player or a Rob Gronkowski type player in this group, but they've got three very good tight ends that all have different skill sets that really work with this offense. So I'm going to give him an A. Last but not least, you're not going to be able to move the football if your offensive line isn't getting the job done. But, you know, I'm starting to think that this offensive line is coming together. Two weeks ago, I was criticizing the interior offensive line, especially coming out of that 49ers game. They played terribly in that game. But the last two weeks, it seems like this group that had three new starters is really starting to gel at the quarter mark of the season. I think – this offensive line group has definitely started to gel. They're ninth in pass block win rate. This is definitely something that is marked for improvement. And they have two rookies at each tackle spot, Corbin. Two rookies. There is no way that they don't improve throughout the season or through next year. They're only going to get better with time. That's why I, ha I give them the grade of a B. And the only reason that I don't have them even higher is because of the run blocking department. The run blocking, especially with the interior, hasn't been as well, but they've got started to gel together, and there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, it certainly is. I think when you look at this offensive line, this would be the one time that you and I are seeing eye to eye. I'm going to go with a solid B2. I can't go higher, and I can't go lower. Just because the promise this group is showing, they have improved a lot the last couple of weeks. It feels like this is one of those groups that's rapidly ascending for the Seahawks. But they have had their issues in the run game. Even the first half last week, Rashad Penny had five carries for eight yards in the first two quarters. They were struggling to open up holes for him against one of the worst run defense in the NFL. Now, 
the dam ended up breaking in the second half. And the offensive line was able to create some of those opportunities for a shot, Penny. But that is the one area of concern for me. But in terms of pass protection, you know, Russell Wilson's probably sitting in Denver right now. Like, where was this the last decade? Like, where was this protection? I mean, I know Charles Cross has given up three sacks, but he's only given up nine pressures in his first four games. Abraham Lucas has only given up nine pressures, no sacks. I mean, the tackles, I would give a B plus, even maybe an A minus, considering they're rookies starting the NFL from day one, and they are exceeding expectations. Even though they're really high expectations for Charles Cross and even Lucas in a lot of circles, both these guys have outplayed expectations at this point. Damian Lewis, now healthy, has looked better the last couple of games. Gabe Jackson easily had his best game against the Lions. We'll see if he can build off that. Looked more like 2017-2018 Gabe Jackson than the atrocity we saw in week two against the 49ers where he gave up seven quarterback pressures in that game alone. And Austin Blythe, he is not going to blow people up in the run game, but he has been very sound in pass protection. His presence as a communicator with two rookie tackles cannot be understated. So I, I think this line, I'm going to give him a solid B. There's plenty of room for improvement, but these last two weeks we've really seen this group take off. And you can make an argument that this is one of the better offensive lines the Seahawks have had in the Pete Carroll era with two rookies that are only going to get better week after week right now. And then again, a lot of gelling still going on in the interior. So this is one of the more encouraging things for the Seahawks this season. We're going to shift gears now to the defensive side of the football where there's probably not going to be near as much positivity as what we just had talking about the offense. We're going to dish out positional group grades through the first quarter of the season for the Seahawks on defense. Coming up next on this bonus Saturday episode. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports and wagering information. With live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, and golf, head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to a bonus Saturday edition of Locked On Seahawks. we got a big game coming up tomorrow. Seahawks traveling to New Orleans to face the Saints. We are at the quarterway point of the 2022 season. I'm your host, Corbett Smith. Joining for today's show, my host, Dallas Cooper. Let's continue our first quarter report card now, Dallas. We just went through all the offensive position groups earlier in the show. We looked at our top five individual grades for the Seahawks. We agreed on the first three, and then we had some differences on our fourth and fifth selections. Let's now look at the defensive side of the football. I just mentioned it. Probably not going to be as much positivity in this segment because Seattle ranks 31st in the NFL in points allowed per game. It's been a really rough transition so far for Clint Hurd as the new defensive coordinator. Let's start it at let's start at the defensive tackle position. A group that was supposed to be a strength for the Seahawks group, maybe the most experienced position group on the entire roster. They brought in Shelby Harris. They brought back Quentin Jefferson. They had Puna Ford and Al Woods returning, as well as Brian Monet. I mean, there's a lot of really good names, a lot of size at this position, some athleticism. They get a little bit of everything. And yet, when you look at the struggles they've had defending the run and generating consistent pressure, a lot of that can be pointed back to this defensive tackle group that has not played as well as many anticipated this year so far. Definitely. That's why I can't give them any higher of a grade than a C. I had a lot of expectations coming into the season with Puna Ford, Shelby Harris, 
Al Woods, I thought that they would be playing a lot better. And Al Woods and Shelby Harris, when they have been in, have been playing well. Puna Ford, whether it's the new scheme change, whether it's they're spending too much time in nickel with their four down fronts, putting too much pressure on him, he has not played well this season. I don't know what is going on, but something is, has happened through the offseason, and Puna is not the same, has not been playing like the same player he was the past couple of years. Quentin Jefferson was has actually been a decent addition. He's brought a little bit of pass rushing, but yeah, I can't give anything higher than a C for this group. They've had a good amount of struggles, whether it be pass rushing as a group or run defending. Yeah, I think when you look at this group, I'm going to give them a C plus just because Al Woods has continued to play yeah. at a very high level. He has been a monster in the trenches at the nose tackle position. He's made several tackles in the backfield. I still feel like big number 99 is playing at a high level. And Shelby Harris, the two games that he's played in, has done some really nice things, particularly as a pass rusher. Quentin Jefferson's had his moments, but he's also really struggled against the run. I would agree with you on Puna Ford as well. I just don't feel like we're seeing the same player that we saw the last couple of years that generated the Puna high. Like the Puna high has been pretty quiet this year. There's been a few decent plays, but the transition to this 3-4 defense has not been a good one for him so far. And that's not to say he's not going to figure it out, but he's been out of position a number of times and really hasn't made the plays that you're expecting from him as the player that's got the highest cap hit on the entire roster right now this year. He is not playing up to that level right now and Brian Monet has been kind of quiet too so this group there's a lot of talent there's a lot of experience they could easily turn things around here the next few weeks the Seahawks need them to because that's been one of the big issues defending the run I feel like they've made a better a better impact rushing the passer though than they have as a unit defending the run that's got to change particularly this week going up against Alvin Kamara most likely going to be suiting up this game that group needs to play better Let's go out to the outside now. Outside linebackers, edge defenders in this 3-4 defense, hybrid defensive ends. You could look at them that way. This is a group that entered the year with a ton of expectations. Chenna Nwosu coming in. Daryl Taylor, six and a half sacks last year. I was talking him up as a pro bowler this season. That has not come together. In fact, Daryl Taylor got benched before last week's game against the Detroit Lions. Daryl Johnson's now on injured reserve, so maybe he'll be back in the starting lineup, but not necessarily because he has earned that opportunity. This group has been very inconsistent through the first four games of the season. Inconsistent is probably the word, the best word to describe it right now. Flash plays, but a lot of plays where you see them out of position. As we've said, I, we're going to sound redundant. I have them as a C grade, like I just had the defense tackles, and a lot of that is going to be because of run fits. With the edge defenders, the only one that I've really seen besides Uchenna Nuwosu actually hold up well at the edge has been Daryl Johnson, who is now on injured reserve, and Boya Mafe. These are the only ones. Pass rushing-wise, it's been inconsistent. Like... There's a lot of flash plays with this group. Chenna Nuosu has made the plays where you've seen, wow, that's why they signed him. But what is going on on the other side? Daryl Taylor was supposed to be that dude, but getting benched and thrown into a situational pass rushing role is definitely not what Seahawks fans wanted to see coming. 
And I don't think anybody was anticipating that. Like I've said it, I've had plenty of our listeners that have been sending me messages like, I thought you said Daryl Taylor was going to have an explosive season. I really thought he was going to, and I was not alone. There were a lot of oh, people that watched training camp practices this year. You could see what kind of burst and acceleration he has off the edge. And we saw that in the strip sack he had against the Atlanta Falcons. There have been some plays. The problem has been that there have been way too many plays where he's been getting blown off the line of scrimmage on run plays. Teams are running right at him off the edge on right side runs. They are consistently attacking him, and he has not been able to adjust and improve his play. He's had poor run fits. He's tried to be a freelancer way too often, and he's gotten burned a lot of times for that. There's been a few tackles for loss, but he's also had several plays he's left teammates hanging out to dry because he has ended up neglecting his run fit responsibility. And so I'm going to give this group a C minus. I'm going to be pretty harsh because I thought Daryl Taylor was going to have a breakout third season, and that has not happened. In fact, he's now been benched. And again, maybe he ends up starting this week with Daryl Johnson now being on injured reserve, but they might decide to go with Boye Mafe instead. And Mafe will certainly have earned that opportunity. He has surprised as a run defender. He's done a better job setting the edge. He's held up better physically than Daryl Taylor. He has a sack, only two pressures. That's the one concern I have so far. We haven't seen that athleticism for Boye Mafe take over as a pass rusher, but it's only a matter of time. This kid has too much athletic talent and too much of a motor for that not to be an area where he starts to show up more. But I've been really impressed with him as a run defender. They're eventually going to get Alvin Robinson back, not this week, but that should help this group. But it has not been a great group this season. Lieutenant Nuosu has been the one consistent bright spot. Boy, Mafe's done some good things. Taylor's been a huge disappointment. Losing Johnson, him being a bit of a surprising addition to this team, and not having him available now is going to hurt. And certainly been some depth concerns. So I'm going to go with a C minus. I just had a lot higher expectations of this group than what we've seen. Now we're going to move from outside linebackers to middle linebackers. And I have a feeling that this is going to be a pretty blunt assessment from both of us because. Jordan Brooks was supposed to be a potential all-pro player this year after leading the team with 184 tackles last year. There were plenty of people like myself who were optimistic that Cody Barton could handle the starting duties replacing Bobby Wagner. Not replace him, he was certainly not going to do that, but thought he could hold up as an every-down starter. And here we are four weeks in the season, and you really can argue that both these players have not met expectations. Absolutely not. They've both not met expectations. You are absolutely correct on that. Whether, again, whether it's the scheme change with, they're honestly running a lot of nickel, a lot of four down fronts. It's just light boxes. So the linebackers have not been put in positions of advantages, but even though they have, even though with the positions they have been put in, it has not been pretty. They've been consistently out of gaps, wrong, wrong gap responsibilities in the run fit. Two guys end up in the same gap. I can't give this team high or this position group higher than a D grade. Cody Barton, I had a lot of faith in him stepping into that every down role, especially with his pass coverage. I thought that would be a lot bigger of a kind of a strength for him. Jordan Brooks, I thought his athleticism and just one more year of experience would just help him with his mental and just being quicker on run keys and pass keys on just reading the play. And it has not come together for this team or for this position group. Yeah, I'm not going to give a very good grade either. I'm going to give a D plus just because this is kind of like Daryl Taylor. I had such high expectations for Jordan Brooks going to this year. 
with his tackling ability, his athleticism, the improvements we saw in coverage. And I think individually, Jordan Brooks, I'd probably give him a C plus. I don't think he's been atrocious, but there's been more missed tackles than I expected from him. He's typically a very reliable tackler and there have been issues getting off blocks. It seems like there have been some issues getting adjusted to playing in a three, four front. Cody Barton, the last two weeks have been an absolute disaster. His first game against Denver, he made the game winning play snuffing out a screen to Javante Williams. They ended up ultimately setting up that fourth and five and the missed long field goal that was so controversial in Denver. I think it's been replaced by other controversial things, yep. but I digress. Barton played well in that first game. Second game against San Francisco, there were some moments, but he also got exposed at times. And I don't know what other teams saw on film there, but the Falcons were able to go right at him. He's had such a hard time avoiding and getting off of blocks and he doesn't have enough size to really hold up as a 3-4 inside linebacker. He hasn't played near as well in coverage. It feels like there might be some confidence issues now at this point with Cody Barton. And, and there's been plenty of people calling for him to be replaced. Maybe Christian Jones being elevated from the practice squad this week will get some snaps playing inside and outside linebacker if Barton continues to struggle. So I'm going to give a D plus. It's been the most underwhelming group, and it was certainly a concern depth-wise going into the season. The starters have not played near as well as the Seahawks need them to to this point. All right, Dallas, real quick, let's get out to the secondary. Cornerback, a group that's got a lot more depth than people anticipated, but we haven't seen Artie Burns yet. Sidney Jones just played his first defensive snaps last week, rotating in with Mike Jackson, who has started all four games. Tariq Woolen has been a revelation on the right side. As bad as this defense has been, at least in my opinion, I don't think that the corners have been a huge part of that problem. They haven't been great. There's been too many penalties. That's been the biggest issue. They've shot themselves in the foot, but there's also been some big plays, particularly from their two rookies, that make this a bit more of an encouraging position group than the players in the front seven so far. Yes, absolutely. I think I was a little more critical on them. I gave them a actually very low grade compared to you. I gave them a C-. minus. A lot of that, for me, has to deal with the corners. It's a lot of simple mistakes, busted coverages, individual issues the talent is there and that's why i think i'm so critical on them i see the talent woolen so elite he's been coming together these past couple games every game he's growing he's showing results kobe bryant he's been also showing results steadily improving maybe not as quick as you would have expected for a, a cornerback of the year award winner in college and opposite of sauce gardner in college maybe not as quickly is he adapting but he still is, but I am critical because it's just too many simple mistakes, busted coverages, communication errors that was supposed to be fixed, especially with coaches coming in. Yeah, you make some very valid points. I just can't give him that low of a grade because of the results that we've seen from young players like Tariq Woolen. Mike Jackson, it feels like the last couple of games has been treading water a little bit. And I think that's why Sidney Jones is now getting opportunities to play because there have been some penalty issues there's been receivers creating separation against him. His tackling hasn't been quite as crisp as it was in the preseason, the first few games of the year. So I'm going to give this group a B-. minus. I just think as well as Tariq Woolen has played, Kobe Bryant is steadily making progress. You have to remember, Dallas, he had never played slot cornerback before coming to the Seahawks. He didn't play it at Cincinnati. He didn't play it in high school. He has the talent to do it. He's got the skills to play that position. But it is not easy to play nickel cornerback in today's NFL. So – 
there have certainly been mistakes on his part, and he's given up some yardage. He's had major issues with penalties, but he also forced a fumble last week. He's made some plays in coverage. He's been like glue on receivers at times. You're seeing the improvements. So this group hasn't met my expectations coming out of training camp. There's been some injuries. At the same time, Tariq Woolen's been better than I thought he was going to be. Kobe Bryant's making improvements. So I'm going to give this group a B-. minus. I feel like the front seven is a little bit bigger problem than what the secondary is right now when we're looking at the issues this defense is facing. And I'm going to give you the floor here because the safety position, there's no Jamal Adams after the first quarter in week one. They've got Josh Jones in there. And Quandre Diggs, obviously the free safety. This is a group that had very high expectations, maybe the most talented position group on the roster going into the regular season. But this is another group that it feels like, in part, at least this one, there's injuries to account for, with Jamal Adams being out. But it doesn't seem like this group has played near as well as most of us envisioned them doing so this season. That is the reason why I'm so critical on them. I've given this position group a D simply because the consistency hasn't been there. With Jamal Adams being out, you cannot help that. That is an injury that is just unfortunate. I expected to see Quandry Diggs step up, kind of take on more of a role, kind of help out Josh Jones, especially within coverage and stuff. And Josh Jones did not look ready out there. He played well last season when when stepping in for Jamal Adams, but this season he looked lost in coverage. Did not know, did not know where he was supposed to be in the zones. He just consistently busted coverages, gave up separation, a lot of missed tackles. That's the biggest thing. With the safety group, they've been missing too many tackles at the back line of the defense, allowing explosive plays. And that is for Pete Carroll's defense, he does not want to give up explosive plays. Yeah, the explosive plays have certainly been an issue. I think a lot of that has come down to the run game being so inconsistent. The safeties have been put in some bad spots where they've had to try to come up and get running backs down that are running through huge creases because they've had gap issues with their front seven. And so I think you can come to the defense of this group a little bit, but I'm with you on a number of arguments that you made. Josh Jones, as great as he was in training camp in the preseason, I thought he was going to be able to step in for Jamal Adams and play at a high level. And yet he's among the top five safeties in the NFL for missed tackles, among the top five, according to Pro Football Focus, for missed tackle percentage. He's given up more yardage in coverage than any safety by almost 100 yards through the first four games. So that by itself is going to weigh the grade down a lot. I'm still going to give a C because I feel like Quandre Diggs the interceptions haven't come yet, but teams are still not having success throwing down the post or down a seat. Those are still being taken away from him. He's still made a number of tackles, helped force a fumble in week one. I don't think he's playing at his very best, but again, he's been put in some tough spots where he's had to try to come up and consistently make plays in the run game when he shouldn't have to do that. So I'm going to give a C. I, I think Josh Jones has not played near as well as expected. That really weighs his grade down. I don't think Quandre Diggs has played poorly necessarily. There have been some missed tackles. His coverage has been fine. A few interception opportunities he would like to have back, but he's been in position to make those plays. Still a guy that quarterbacks don't want to test down the post or down the seam. So I'm still going to give a C. Again, I think Seattle's issues on defense are lying more on that front seven, figuring things out, rushing the pass or getting their run fits down than the secondary. If they could fix those two issues or make them better, I think you would see better play from the secondary 
And I think those two things go hand in hand here. They've got to marry the front seven with their secondary with a little bit better play on both sides. And I think they can get it done. We'll see if they start that tomorrow against the New Orleans Saints. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Come up tomorrow after the Seahawks take on the Saints. We'll have our weekly postcast. I'll be dishing out game balls on offense defense and special teams going through a few key storylines coming out of the game at the Caesar Superdome and of course playing a little three up three down looking at studs and duds from week five you won't want to miss it make sure to tune in tomorrow thanks for listening go Hawks